Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of humanity's based practice of healthcare. Really appreciate you joining. Today, we're listening to some excerpts from Town Eclogs, Saturday, the Smallpox, by Lady Mary Wortley Montague, an 18th century British aristocrat, writer, and activist. And the poem is a, a monologue of a young woman who is lamenting the facial disfigurement uh, from scars from smallpox. And most of the poem that we won't read focuses on the things that she's lost along with her beauty, uh, from lovers to political sway. But in this passage, she's describing the futility of the medical care she's received from the chemist or pharmacist to three doctors who she names Ramilo, Gallen, and Machoan. Town Eclogues, Saturday, The Smallpox, by Lady Mary Wortley Montague. How I am changed, alas, how I am grown a frightful specter to myself unknown. Where is my complexion? Where the radiant bloom that promised happiness for years to come? Then with what pleasure I this face surveyed, to look once more my visits oft delayed, charmed with the view, a fresher red would rise, and a new life shot sparkling from my eyes. Ye cruel chemist, what withheld your aid? Could no pomentum save a trembling maid? How false and trifling is that art you boast. No art can give me back my beauty lost. In tears, surrounded by friends, I lay, Massed o'er, and trembled at the sight of day. Mermilo came my fortune to deplore. A golden-headed cane, well-carved, he bore. Cordials, he cried, my spirits must restore. Beauty is fled, and spirit is no more. Gallon, the grave officious squirt was there, with fruitless grief and unavailing care. Machoan, too, the great Machoan, known by his red cloak and his superior frown. And why, he cried, this grief, this despair, you shall again be well, again be fair. Believe my oath, with that an oath he swore. False was his oath, my beauty is no more. Some thoughts on smallpox. The history of smallpox is fascinating. It's caused by a virus called variola, and it presents initially with fevers and myalgias, and then you get a pustular rash that usually results in significant scarring. And more than just being disfiguring, there's a toxic shock reaction that can cause mortality rates usually around 30%. And this was particularly devastating for the Native American population who didn't have any immunity to it when it was brought over by European colonizers. And at that time, it was thought to have uh, mortality rates of up to 50%. 
in the Native American population. This started to to change at the end of the 18th century when uh, Dr. Jenner performed what is now uh, famously known as uh, vaccination uh, to prevent smallpox. And so at the time, milkmaids often got a disease called cowpox, which comes from a virus that's similar to variola that humans can get from cows, but it causes much milder symptoms than smallpox. And it was commonly thought that milkmaids who had gotten cowpox never went on to get smallpox, even if they had significant exposure. So that gave Dr. Jenner the idea to take the exudates from the the scab of a girl who had cowpox, and then he took it and uh, inoculated it on a boy who then developed pretty minor symptoms. After he recovered, Dr. Jenner then gave him the exudates from smallpox, and he had no reaction. And that was the beginning of the vaccination. And as usual with new developments, there was lots and lots of skepticism, and he faced a lot of criticism. However, Dr. Jenner uh, kind of persisted, and because of his great efforts, he disseminated vaccination throughout the world. And eventually, in 1977, smallpox was completely eradicated, which is pretty amazing. Of course, Dr. Jenner deserves a lot of credit for his championship of the novel technique of vaccination, but like any good story, there's much more to it. So first, the use of cowpox inoculations to protect against smallpox had actually been in practice in rural England for decades before Dr. Jenner. The next layer is that centuries before vaccination, the practice known as variolation had been used in China, India, and Africa to reduce the morbidity and mortality from smallpox. Variolation involves inoculating the exudates from smallpox onto a previously uninfected child. And this usually produced milder symptoms, but it could still result in scarring, contagion, and even death, uh, but at much lower rates than with a typical Uh, exposure. And Montague actually played a vital role in bringing the practice of variolation to Europe in the 1700s. There had previously been a few Italian physicians who had tried to bring it over, and they uh, basically didn't go anywhere, and it didn't didn't spread. And her reasons for for, uh, interest in in variolation were deeply personal. A year before the publication of this poem, she had suffered from smallpox with significant scarring on her face. And a few years later, her brother went on to die from smallpox at the age of 20. She then moved to Turkey with her husband, who had just become the British ambassador over there. And when she was there, she observed the practice of variolation, and she quickly had the procedure performed on her son. And then in an effort to disseminate this treatment to Europe, when she got back to London, she had her daughter receive variolation in front of the court physicians. And after uh, the court physicians then uh, went on to do experiments, of course, on prisoners and orphans, and then I guess it was acceptable enough that uh, two children from the royal court got the procedure, and after that it soon uh, uh, rose in, in general acceptance. And in fact, Dr. Jenner himself had received variolation as a child. 
Getting back to the poem, it's pretty interesting that the lesions of smallpox are never actually described. Uh, The narrator describes herself as a specter, and at the end of the poem, we hear the lament about her, quote, inglorious face. However, without the title, the source of her affliction would be unclear. Instead, there is much greater detail about her former beauty, her, quote, radiant bloom. And in this way, Montague reflects the cognitive bias where humans are particularly sensitive to loss. It's not that the narrator considers herself ugly so much as it's that her beauty is no more. In a clever use of poetic form, Montague does allude to the risk of mortality that passed over the narrator. Traditionally, eclogues were a series of poems contemplating social morals through the use of rural characters. And the final poem of the series usually ended with one of the characters' deaths. So this is Montague's last poem in her town eclogue series. And you can say that beauty uh, has figuratively died, but the break in the form does highlight the narrator's survival. This episode is brought to you by flowers. Roses are red, violets are blue. Having flowers around you is good for you. A sight for sore eyes and a scent for sore noses. They don't just brighten your room, they brighten your mood. Don't just be okay. Go get a bouquet. Some thoughts on responding to illness. The narrator laments the futility of several medical professionals. First, we have the empty-handed, cruel chemist. Chemist is a term for pharmacist that is still used in the UK. And while it could be that their treatments simply weren't effective, since the narrator does describe their art as false and trifling, her reprimand also contains a sense of abandonment. Their aid is withheld, and it seems that they haven't offered a single pomatum or lotion. Next, we see a series of physicians. Mermilo is marked as a clinician by the golden cane that he has. And in those days, physicians carried around gold or silver canes that held aromatic substances that were supposed to ward off pestilence. And he offers cordials or medicinal liquors to improve her mood. Spirits for the spirit. Then we see Galen, and he has the title of squirt, which was kind of slang for for doctors in those days. And he serves as an allusion to Galen, who is the famous Greek physician and anatomist. Unfortunately, he only provides fruitless grief, but it does interestingly imply there could be fruitful grief. Finally, Machoan comes with his empty promise. Machoan is a a reference to the surgeon in Greek mythology who treated soldiers during the Trojan War. With this parade of medical professionals, Montague shows both the desire to seek a second, third, and more opinions when treatments are limited, and she also shows the great bluster of the court physicians of that time. All of the clinicians look the part, from Mermilla's cane to Machoan's red cloak, and his superior frown. They are quite a pompous bunch. 
but the looks ultimately do little good. And in and, and this way, they're, they're a foil for the narrator because both of their lofty appearances are exposed when faced with smallpox. While the chemist and the clinicians come up lacking, at the, the last stanza of the poem, the narrator proposes her own therapy. She will seek solitude in the countryside, saying, Adieu, ye parks, in some obscure recess, where gentle streams will weep at my distress, where no false friend will in my grief take part and mourn my ruin with joyful heart. Perhaps the weeping streams will provide the fruitful grief that Gallen failed to deliver. Some thoughts on illness and appearance. As this poem shows really well, disfigurement of the face can be particularly threatening to a person's identity. Uh, For instance, for many people, alopecia or hair loss from chemotherapy is much more distressing than many of the other toxicities. And likewise, rosacea, which is a facial redness that mimics acne, often brings back all the torments of adolescence. Moreover, unlike adult diapers or ostomies, the facial impacts of illness are difficult to hide. And perhaps that's why, uh, for for many, even the hearing aids that we have are too exposed. And so for these reasons, the suffering from head and neck cancers is particularly complex. Also in healthcare, there is often a dichotomy between cosmetic and health-related treatments, uh, which is particularly seen with procedures that are and aren't covered by insurance. So for example, facial Botox for smoothing wrinkles is a private expense, but when Botox is used for easing headaches, it's a medical expense. And this policy echoes our social perceptions that cosmetics are a vain pursuit and appearances are superficial, both literally and figuratively. However, there are many areas of healthcare that are much more responsive to physical appearance. Yeah, so for instance, take uh, Medicare it doesn't cover wigs for alopecia, but it does cover Mohs surgery, which is a treatment for skin cancers of the face that's a lot more costly and timely, but it does reduce the size of the surgical scar on the face. And so while the, the narrator's vanity is on full display, with her self-admiration that's delaying her visits to people. In the rest of the poem, the narrator expounds on the many benefits of a woman's beauty. It, for instance, gained her affection, gifts, and social standing. And she compares her beauty to the rulers of empires and pointing out kind of how the physical attraction is a route to to political power, political and social power. And so through the poem, Montague really looks beyond just the surface of beauty and reveals the deep importance uh, that beauty had for the women of her day. And clearly kind of much of this remains true, true now as well. And that really pushes the question of who decides when physical appearance enters the realm of healthcare and when it remains solely cosmetic. Town Eclogues, Saturday, The Smallpox, 
by Lady Mary Wortley Montague. How I am changed. Alas, how I am grown a frightful specter to myself unknown. Where is my complexion? Where the radiant bloom that promised happiness for years to come? Then with what pleasure I this face surveyed to look once more my visits oft delayed. Charmed with the view, a fresher red would rise, and a new life shot sparkling from my eyes. Ye cruel chemist, what withheld your aid? Could no pomentum save a trembling maid? How false and trifling is that art you boast! No art can give me back my beauty lost. In tears, Surrounded by friends I lay, masked o'er, and trembled at the sight of day. Mermilo came my fortune to deplore. A golden-headed cane, well-carved, he bore. Cordials, he cried, my spirits must restore. Beauty is fled, and spirit is no more. Gallon, the grave officious squirt, was there, with fruitless grief and unavailing care. Machoan, too, the great Machoan, known by his red cloak and his superior frown. And why, he cried, this grief, this despair, you shall again be well, again be fair, believe my oath. With that an oath he swore, false was his oath, my beauty is no more. Town Eclogues, Saturday, The Smallpox, by Lady Mary Wortley Montague, was published in 1716 and is now part of public domain. You can find show notes for the episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com, and you can send comments, suggestions, questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.